Planetary Radio is public radio's only weekly series about space exploration. I'm Matt Kaplan, and I hope you'll join me as we explore Mars, look for life in the universe, and fly through the rings of Saturn. We'll talk with the men and women, scientists and dreamers who are guiding us to a future beyond Earth. And don't forget to enter our weekly space trivia contest. That's Planetary Radio, Mondays at 5.30 p.m., right here on KUCI. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. online at KUCI.org. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity and From Victim to Victor, a step-by-step guide for ending the nightmare of identity theft. She sits on the advisory board for the State of California Office of Privacy Protection, and she's a sheriff reserve here in Orange County. She's testified many times in Congress and the California legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly, Geraldo, Montel, lots of other shows. So to learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. You know, Lloyd, we are sitting here on the campus of the University of California, Irvine, And there are people who are looking for love in all the right places and maybe all the wrong places. You know, I have several friends who have used the Internet for dating. And some have been really very, you know, positive. They've had great experiences, have gotten married. And others have had horrible experiences. And I've heard from people who have met people online and they weren't what they thought they were going to be. It's like that. New Yorker cartoon where the two dogs are looking at the get the computer and they're on the internet and one dog says to nobody the other knows nobody knows you're a dog on the internet well you know I, I it's it's scary because we don't know really who we're dealing with and tonight we have a guest coming to us who is an internet dating expert and she is a strong privacy proponent. Let me tell you about this woman who happens to be the author of a new ebook called Sex Lies in the Internet, an online dating survival guide which teaches people how to avoid being scammed, used and abused. And although it's focused on women, there I know many women who have been scammed. Um, besides women that have been scammed, there are men that have been scammed. And so some of the same issues really affect men as well as women, although unfortunately what happens is most of the time it's women who are who are scammed by the, uh, the sex lies and, and uh, Internet problems. So let me tell you about Stephanie Alexander. She is the CEO and founder of WomanSavers.com. This is a home to the world's largest database rating men, and it is targeted at helping people to avoid abusive and cheating men. And it has over 20,000 men entered by women 
worldwide on this website. Woman Savers receives over a million hits per month, and it is the, it's in the top most popular women's websites in the world. It's been featured on CNN, MSNBC, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, Chicago Tribune, Esquire Magazine, Sirius, and hundreds of radio shows, including this one. Stephanie Alexander is herself an abuse and infidelity survival, and that's one of the reasons that she created Woman Savers back in 2002. So we're so thrilled that she's here to talk to us and to learn more about her and all the great things that they're doing. And so it's really a fun website. Also, you can download her new book there, at womansavers.com. What? You look to see if my name was on there I looked to see if your name was on there, Lloyd. It wasn't on there. I really did. In First thing. You can always enter it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, that that it's a very interesting website. I'll tell you, I got a I got a kick out of all of these. I I just want you to know that today I answered, I, I went on, and I actually participated in some of your polls. So we'll see what that means. <laughs> and I, I had fun with it. So first of all, tell us about how you're a survivor and, and how you got into this. Well, first of all, um, I need to clarify that it's not in the top five most popular women's websites. It's, it's in the top five percent most popular women's websites. There I, are different. Right. I, I thought I, I said that, but thank you for correcting me. Not a problem. I started Woman Savers, which is spelled W-O-M-A-N-S-A-V-E-R-S.com, not Women Savers. A lot of people make that mistake, and they type in the plural women. It's Woman Savers. I started it in early 2003 after getting out of a bad relationship. And I was abused as a child, and I experienced various forms of abuse as an adult. I was lied to, scammed on, cheated on. You name it, I, I went through the gamut through Internet dating and also regular dating. And at that time, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if women could network together to bring the good guys to the top and the bad to the bottom? So I went about and I created a database that uh, organizes women's information. And it has grown into something very large. And it's also home to the number one most popular abused women's message board on the Internet. So I offer free medical advice and uh, advice from a psychotherapist that specializes in how to target dangerous men. And there's just wonderful resources and a library of articles and information to help women not only when they are in abusive and infidelity situations, how to get out of them. I noticed you even had things on divorce questions, which is great, too, and private investigations, and there's just a whole wealth on there. And, you know, what what I find is victim, people who have been victimized, whether it's by abuse or maybe some kind of, um, like, a identity theft, some kind of abuse by criminal abuse, that they either wallow as being a victim or they say, you know what, I was victimized, but I'm going to overcome. I'm going to do something to make it better for myself and other people. And so I honor you for trying to help other people to avoid some of the pitfalls that you yourself have gone through. And you have a, a wealth of information here. Well, you know, as you know, the Internet's a double-edged sword. With the Internet, it's almost like Big Brother is watching, and there is almost no such thing as privacy anymore. People write things in online blogs, on message boards. They enter things into databases. 
So people are being held accountable for their actions, and sometimes the information that is posted is not true, and sometimes it violates your privacy rights. So we have very strong terms of agreement that somebody has to agree to before they hit that submit button. So what happens if a a gentleman goes on there and looks up their name and it's on there and it really isn't them? Maybe it's a name that's similar to someone else's name or there's two people with the same name. How can they deal with that so they don't have the stigma that it's not them? Well, it's categorized by first and last name, city, state, and country. And there are countless, probably, John Smiths entered, just like into a phone book. So it's very difficult to to determine which John Smith it is. You would have to read the comments, and then there would have to be personally identifying information, such as perhaps characteristics that somebody described or aliases that they may be using on Internet dating sites, things like that. In our terms of agreement, the first thing that people have to agree to is that they're telling the truth because the truth is 100% defense to libel. A person can say John is a jerk, and that falls under freedom of speech, you know, the First Amendment. Their opinion, right. Correct. But if somebody says John gave me AIDS, then they need to have factual proof, medical records, and, uh, you know, they need to be able to prove that they were monogamous during a certain period of time and that they didn't have the disease before they got involved with John. So if they choose to use the Internet for libel, they leave themselves open for a lawsuit. So your website has become, you know, stirred quite a bit of controversy about this. And so, yeah, yeah tell us about that. I wish there was a way that you could hook every single person that posted up to a lie detector test, but you can't. And so it is in the hands of the the people. And a woman is free to edit or delete her posting at any time. And if a man doesn't agree with what is posted, he is also free to tell his side of the story. So it can turn into an ongoing debate. Um, There is a law that is called Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which protects third-party providers from being held liable for what somebody else says. So, for example, Google is not held liable because they just are organizing others' information. Or if you own a message board and thousands of people are posting it, you're not held liable because you can't control or can't monitor everything that's being posted. So have anybody tried to, has anybody tried to sue you or threaten you with a lawsuit because of what's been put up on the website? Yes, but it's always been thrown out of court because of those acts. Those are very, very strong laws, and uh, the First Amendment, as you know, is very, very strong, and it takes a lot to beat it. What they need to do is they need, if, if there are factual lies being posted, not just opinions about somebody, they need to approach the author whoever wrote it. Right. Have you gotten any letters saying this is not true, here's this information, please delete it from your website? Yes, but unfortunately under Section 230, it does not allow the provider to edit or delete anything unless it has to do with privacy, such as social security number, correct, social security number, address, personally identifying information that is more than just a person last name. You know what happened? I, we had a woman on our show, uh, Claire Miller, and the reason I can give her name is because she agreed to give her name, and she was in the New York Times. She had contacted me oh, uh, last year sometime that someone had gone onto the Internet into a dating type 
of uh, it wasn't match.com but it was similar and this person put up a a whole profile on her and invited men to come to her home giving her address her phone number and basically saying that she was hot to trot and she had never put that up but someone else put it up using her identity a cyber identity theft and when um, when she found out because men were coming to her door and told her about it she was pretty frantic if you can imagine talk about an abusive situation and um, she, we were able to finally get it taken down because she said, this is fraud, I never put it up there. So what if somebody came to you and proved that it was fraud that, that you know, came with a police report and said, I never put this up there. Somebody else it, is maybe trying to get back, so please If take there's it down. legal documentation such as police reports and things like that, we remove it. Because legally we're required to do so. In fact, we worked with the New York District Attorney's Office about three months ago on an identity theft case and gave them some information. There isn't a lot of information to give them because Woman Savers deletes IPs on a daily basis to protect our members because we get a lot of women who are getting beat up and are in serious situations, and I don't want to risk their well-being. Exactly, exactly. And so so I suggest that they go to a cyber cafe or they go to a library to post if they're really that worried, but they still want to warn other women. Yeah. I just worry about maybe some woman putting something up just as revenge. Do you know what I mean? And that Yes, and if that happens, you know, they um they could get sued. Right. I, right. I don't know of any cases yet. Most of the time the women wisen up very quickly. Yes. And they either edit the posting, amend it or they delete it. Right. Or if someone wants to pretend to be me and put up something on woman savers do you know what I'm saying about someone oh, men, else? Oh, men self-post themselves all the time. Oh, they do. <laughs> yes, of course they do. And usually you can read between the lines because they give themselves glowing reviews and they always say how great they are in bed sexually. Oh, God. <laughs> so. I, mean, I know. It's like you said, the, the, it's you, what you're doing has so many advantages, but there's always this dark side to the Internet. Right. It's, it's quite ser- scary. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that women make in online dating? I think women are not doing their homework enough. People, I hear frequently from people, oh, you don't trust anybody, and, and you know, why should you have to check up on somebody when you're just starting to date them? Well, to me, it doesn't make sense because we put all this time and energy and we have our homes inspected and we take our car to a mechanic why wouldn't we check out as much as possible to a potential partner that we may spend the rest of our lives with exactly well you know you told a story in in the beginning of your book uh, that i was reading called sex lies and the internet a survival guide for online dating you told about one of your stories on the internet Will you will you be willing to share a little bit about your one of your horror stories? Because I think sure, I have a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, you know all of us, and I think it's not that we're stupid. I think it's that no. we're trusting. We're good people. Good people trust people that they're going to be good, right? Right. And and that's the problem is that when we are sometimes naive or just we've had in our young lives when we're younger, you know, we may have had good experiences with people, and so we're trusting. 
or we may not have had good experience with people and we don't know the difference. And, and that's really scary. We have to become really savvy as to what these people. So tell one of your stories and what you learned from it. Which one of my stories did you like? Well, I, your, one of your first internet dating experiences where the guy didn't look anything like. Oh, <laughs> that one. Yes, I started internet dating in the very beginning when the internet first came out. And I thought I was savvy and wise and knew how to screen. And I started corresponding with a man. And he sent me a photograph, and I thought he looked handsome. And he, we corresponded for a long time by email and by telephone. And he said that he had a successful business, a printing business, and a sports car. And, you know, we seemed to get along all right. So after a couple months passed, he lived in a different state. So I thought, well, you know, the only way I'm going to be able to meet this guy and get to know him better is if I book a flight. So I booked a flight there just for the day for lunch and out that same evening, and when he came to pick me up, I didn't even recognize him. And so that immediately put me off, and the photograph was at least six years old. And I said, you know, who? how old is that photograph? <laughs> and he said it was, you know, like from right after high school or something. And then he proceeded to take me to his sports car, which was a 1970-something broken-down Camaro that was rusty and filthy inside, so I remember the hinges squeaking when I opened the door, and I got in to this car trying to make the best of things, and he said we had to go over to his house because he had to change his jeans. So we went over to his house, and he changed his torn jeans, and uh, we went down the stairs, and it turned out to be his parents' home. He lived with his parents, and his successful printing business was a copy machine and a computer in the basement. <laughs> yes, they can do that on the <laughs> Internet, yeah. And, so... Uh, yeah, it's it's lucky you went only for the day, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought, you know, I was not careful enough. And after a series of negative experiences on the Internet, I pretty much gave up. And then I realized in the future that I just wasn't screening properly. Yeah. So so let's talk about some of the steps that, that people should take. And men, too, because, you know, I, I get information from men who were, you know— uh, abused or, or also, you know, or gold diggers, gold diggers. Gold is the diggers big one. Yeah. Especially older guys with a lot of money. You know, I mean, I even see this in, in the personals offline, you know, online and offline. And, you know, I think it's a scary time. I, I am shocked and happy for my friends when they do find somebody. But I did have a woman who contacted me who met her spouse on the internet and everything he told her was a lie everything and they were married and he uh he ended up just when she found out the truth after he literally stole money from her um he found he did commit suicide when she confronted him so i can't tell me tell you how many times i've heard that similar stories like that yeah and and you know and i hear of men who think oh this woman is beautiful they get the picture she does this wasn't even her picture you know Right. I hear about the, the men who get taken from uh, the Russian women a lot. I hear, I've heard a lot of those scamming stories that they've gotten taken for a lot of money. Right. They, they advertise in, in, in foreign countries, bring me to your country and I'll be your foreign And the women are just drop-dead gorgeous, drop-dead gorgeous. And they, they exist and they come over and they actually marry. And once they get their citizenship, they're out of here. Right. Right. So, so tell me something. Um, how many men are in your database? 
there are tens of thousands. Last count, I think it was over 23,000. Wow. Wow. And what kind of men do you think they are? I mean, do you have any idea from from what these people are? Yeah. There are convicted felons, pedophiles, serial bigamists, cheaters, men who spread STDs knowingly, Mm. and the occasional good guy that gets entered by a girlfriend or a wife that wants to tell the world what a wonderful man she has and to stay away, he's taken. (laughs) Wow. So how do you think um, this might change somebody's behavior? Do you think that the fact that your website is up there and that people get exposed, do you think that that might actually change these people? Do you think they'll have that kind of... Well, it's interesting that you say that because a few years ago, the owner of Overstock.com, Patrick Burney, came to me and he said, Stephanie, you know, I think what you are doing is very powerful. And although some people may not like it, it also may have the potential to change men's behavior worldwide because they are now held accountable for their actions. Well, that's true. That's true. Hopefully that, that will happen if they're exposed. But so what what exactly, what steps should we take if we're going to do online dating? Now, you know, it's funny because I, I, I never did online dating. I was married for 18 years. Then I was divorced and I met people in different ways. And Lloyd and I met when his son introduced us. I met his son on the beach in, in Hawaii, and he introduced us, and, and that's how that started. And we just met each other, and that was in person, and took one step. I was not very trusting anyway, and uh, and that's how it started. So I, I kind of get, oh, my gosh, I think people who do this are so brave. I just can't even imagine doing it. So what what steps would I take? Let's say that Lloyd dumped me or I dumped him. <laughs> And I decided I wanted to go on the Internet. What are the steps that I should take to make sure that I am doing this in a way that is going to be safe and and positive? Well, these are the tips I talk about in my book, Sex, Lies, in the Internet. But these tips, like you said, work both for men and women. And one of the first things that you need to do is you try to get a real first and last name as soon as possible. You yourself should only give a first name as long as possible, and your, your goal is to get the real name of the other party. And then you put their name in quotes and you Google them. You run their name through the local um, felon registry, and you also run their name through the local sex offender to see if they have a history of any any criminal behavior. So what websites are you talking about? Like I know ChoicePoint, you can go to choicepoint.com and you can you can do searches of dating people. I mean, it costs you money, but you can do a search or like a nanny search. Even There's a find. lot of free registries that have sex offender lists. Like I did one a couple months ago in my neighborhood, and I was surprised to find all of the homes that near me that had registered sex offenders. And it just displays them like a map in, in your entire area or your city, and you can also run names through these, and it's free. Okay. And all you have to do in Google is type in sex offender registry for your city or your state and then do a little searching and you'll run into one. You can do the same thing with uh, felon registries. Okay. All because right. that is all public information. And then what you need to do is you – it's also very beneficial to obviously run it through the womansavers.com database to see if – there is a poor relationship history that has happened. Right. If multiple women have entered a man over and over again with similar stories, then it, you're obviously dealing, dealing with somebody that is problematic, and you should definitely proceed with caution. I'm not saying that everything is 
is 100% accurate. It could be a person's opinion, but you need to acknowledge what you've read and then be careful. Perhaps not put your heart on a platter right away with this person. Right. It's a red flag. So when you have a red flag, you you know it might be dangerous. Exactly. Another thing you can do is you can ask for a home telephone number. People who are in committed or married relationships don't give out home telephone numbers because they can't. Right. And many of us don't have home telephone numbers anymore. We just have cell numbers. So then I suggest calling them consistently between the hours of 8 and 11 p.m. because that is when people are with their families or their significant others and they can't answer the phone. So if you're with somebody who always has excuses that they can't answer the phone during that period because they're on a business meeting or the phone was turned off or yada, 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 um, that's usually a red flag also. Right. Right. And you're right. So many people like my son, he doesn't have a, a cell phone. He doesn't have a home phone. At, at He's getting his MBA. And my daughter, at, she doesn't have a home phone. She just has her cell phone. So that's true. I think everybody nowadays doesn't have uh, a home phone that somebody can check up and see who's answering the phone or, you know, what might literally be happening. So calling at, in the evening is a good idea. What else? I also suggest that people request, this is something I did, people request that they take a quick digital shot with today's newspaper in it so you can see how old the photograph is. That's a good idea. mm -hmm, So you're not always getting glamour shots sent to you or shots that could be 6 to 10 years old, like (laughs) I got. (laughs) Right. Of course, with Adobe Photoshop, you can can actually kind of do some fun things with that, you know. So right. That I mean, there's always, there's always the possibility that you can put on a facade on the Internet. Right, right. I mean, there's, or, or you could have somebody else take the picture with the newspaper today. So and then if, yeah. I, I really d- think you should give as little information about yourself as possible in the beginning because you don't know who you're dealing with. And then when you are ready for your first date, make sure that you tell somebody where you're going and don't make it, uh, create a date that, has the potential of drinking a lot of alcohol because it's best to meet in a public place and have lunch or meet for coffee and even with a friend maybe because that way you're safe and that way you have an exit strategy. Exactly, and bring your cell phone with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly, because you never know what you know what that person and, and it's frightening. I mean, I've been hearing about all sorts of things even out here in California where someone was meeting for the first time and just going to go for a ride on his motorcycle and then they've been missing for ever since. And they you hear that all the time and people need to be so much more careful. They always think, oh, it's not going to happen to me, and then it does. Right. And and the worst part is is um, I've read a lot of horror stories about pedophiles on my website, unfortunately. And they target single mothers, single mothers who are dating, and they target them for their children. For example, one of the stories that I included in my book was a story about a woman who was dating this wonderful guy. And she loved him, and he was Mr. Wonderful, and he turned himself into everything that she wanted and was looking for. And she had a five-year-old son, and he liked to spend a lot of time with the son, and he kept offering to babysit the son. And she thought it was wonderful and never really thought anything about it until her son started acting strange. Her son son started wetting the bed. He started acting out. He started not wanting to spend time with the man that she was dating. A few months later, she broke up with this man, and uh, finally she didn't understand what was going on with her son, so she took him to a psychiatrist, and it came to find out a year later that during that time period when he was babysitting her son, he was sodomizing him. 
Oh God, what a what a breach of trust! What a horrible thing! Yeah. So so, so he he targeted are, her right basically to to get to her child. They always do. So I can't stress this enough. If you are a single mother, it is so important to watch your children. And I, I'm not saying, you know, don't be completely paranoid and, and think that every time he tick, somebody tickles your children that something is going on. But you need to open those lines of communication with your children and explain to them what is acceptable and what is not. And what this man did is he threatened to to kill the mother, and that's what he told the son if the oh. son said anything. So the son was just scared to death. Oh, God. That is horrible. So so did they catch this guy? Do you know? They never caught him. See, that's another thing. You can just hide. You can hide on the Internet so easily as well. Right. Yeah. So so what what else should we be doing? Well, besides meeting in a public place, you you ask a lot of questions. What happened with me is sometimes you can have the most perfect relationship via email and telephone, and then when you meet somebody in person, there's no sparks. Like you said, you met your husband in person, and so you were able to see him and then feel the chemistry and the butterflies, and you create kind of a perception of what you think somebody is going to be like because you're corresponding and speaking to them so long, and then you see them, and then there's nothing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so that's always a problem with the Internet, too. And this even is it could be an, a problem off the Internet. I know many years ago before I met uh, Lloyd and I was single mom, like what you were talking about, one of my friends had put in an ad in the paper about she loved sailing and she loved all these things, and she had all these guys calling her, and she said, you know what, I have so many of them. How about if, if you answer one of them? <laughs> so so right. just for fun, I did this. This is the only time I ever did this. Well, I answered this guy because I knew how to sail, and I love sailing, and I love the water, and I answered. And so I did a stupid thing. Luckily, it was okay, but I, but I met him uh, in Long Beach, California, right by the Queen Mary, and he had a sailboat. And I thought, well, this would be fun to go out sailing. Well, we went out sailing, and he immediately, and you had a story similar in there, like like this, I think, that you went through with someone else. And he immediately started talking, oh, we could sail around the world, you know, and was talking romantic to me, like he wanted to marry me. I mean, this, I just met the guy this af- that afternoon, and then the wind died, and I was sitting there thinking, should I jump off the boat and swim to the Queen Mary? I mean, luckily, the wind picked up, and I, and I got home, and I never spoke to him again, but... You know, it's it's such a stupid thing that I did that I would go out in the middle of the ocean. That was really dumb. I think of it now, but I was dumb and, and I think very vulnerable at the time. But I think you should never, like, get in a car with somebody that you you just meet. Meet them at a place and then go home yourself and, and actually make sure that you have somebody walk to your car or something so they don't follow you. I think it's pretty dangerous when you first meet someone to, to think that you could be at a place with them where there might not be any help for you. And and I was, you know, here I am. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a total dummy, but I, I did something stupid. It would be interesting to know how many of those missing person statistics are Internet-related. Yes. But I think it can happen even not Internet-related. Oh, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? You just, absolutely. you know, the, uh, the personal ads that I see in the paper, and that's kind of what mine started. But I think the Internet makes it uh, more insidious because you know that you they could be living on the other side of the world or they could be uh you know my daughter was communicating with somebody when she was in high school and um her dad was really worried he was finding things on the on the computer 
And, um, you know, he actually went ahead and called and found out that the kid was really a kid. But it could have been a 60-year-old pervert. Well, everybody's watched that wonderful show, Predators. Yes. And, you know, you would think that with a show like Predators on the air that, uh, you know, the people that are doing this would get a clue and think, you know, I better be careful or I'm going to get caught. But they don't stop. And apparently they don't stop because they can't stop. And according to people who have tried to rehabilitate predators or pedophiles, they're, they don't have a high success rate of rehabilitation. Right, right. They, they justify it and rationalize it in their head by saying, you know, I'm not really doing anything wrong. I'm just loving the child. Right, right. right. So that's how they see it. It, they need to be reprogrammed, you know, just get a whole new computer chip in their heads. <laughs> yeah, they need to be put in jail for long periods of time. <laughs> I know it. So tell me something. Um, you have a lot of women who are abused women, and they've experienced infidelity. H- how is your website helping women who are abused? Well, like I said, it is the number one most popular abused women's wes- message board, and There is a volunteer physician that takes out her time and gives medical advice and also a psychotherapist that specializes in dangerous men such as narcissists, psychopaths, and sociopaths. And I noticed a long time ago that the women who frequent my my site don't have the resources to afford a psychiatrist or they don't have family and friends who they can talk to. And so I wanted to give them an area where they could get advice and post anonymously in a safe forum and get responses within hours from others around the world, men and women, who have experienced similar situations so that they can shed light on their situation. Right, so they have a a community, a group that they, they can open up to when maybe they're afraid. A lot of women who are abused are really afraid. They're embarrassed. They don't know how to deal with it. They, exactly. They're afraid to go to their families about this. They're embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Right. And and this can happen. You don't have to be married to be abused. You could be abused by a boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, this happens on college campuses as well. And it's a slow, it's important to note it's a slow process. These women, many of them are intelligent, and a lot of them would never imagine themselves in an abusive relationship. And in the beginning, it's all good. They're never abusive in the beginning, or they would never be with a woman. So in the beginning, they've got their, you know, their best face on, and everything is hunky-dory, and then it starts slowly. It may start with a shove in an argument, or it may start with some verbal abuse. And then usually after that, it's, I'm so sorry, flowers, very apologetic, crying, and it won't happen again. The trusting women usually will give them second chances, sometimes third. And as it progresses, it gets worse. And if the woman doesn't get out, her self-esteem starts eroding. And then it's even harder to get out. Yep. You have a chapter in your book called The Abuser. And you've got the physical abuser, the emotional abuser, the verbal abuser, the sexual abuser, the financial abuser, and the the top 11 signs that you're being abused. Can you go over some of those signs that are in your book? And I want to say your book again so people know that we are, um, here it is right here. It's uh, Sex, Lies, and the Internet, a survival guide for online dating. So, um, Stephanie, can you... I actually don't have the book in front of me that okay. I can't discuss. But you can tell us a couple of them. In our sure. So, one of the key ways to find out if you are being abused is, is, is if it's something that you are not currently comfortable with. 
inside it's a gut instinct or a feeling that it's something is not right it's almost like a sixth sense so it can be anything from verbal abuse emotional abuse or physical abuse but women usually know when it's happening and either they do something or they don't and they continue i have an example of a woman who was married or is married still to a man for nine years and her husband has become extremely physically abusive with her and she has two sons a two-year-old and a five-year-old and the sons now are witnessing this abuse occurring and told her that she is now responsible for what her sons are witnessing because she's continuing to stay in this relationship and she's not taking action to get out. And she didn't see it that way. At first she was only blaming her husband because he was the one that was doing it. But she is also responsible, and it's her responsibility to take action to remove those children from that abusive situation. Or she's going to create another cycle of abusers. Right. They'll be abusing. And not only that... Because now they think it's okay. You know, the father is the, the head of the family, and the mother is taking the abuse, and now they think father is right, and this is how it's done. And and modeling is such a very strong way of teaching, you know? People, when you model behavior, that's how, which, you know, people learn what they live, right? And so if they're living that, that's what they learn to do. And also, you know, if we don't take responsibility, we 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 allow ourselves to be a victim. You know, you've got the abuser and the abused, and if the abused doesn't leave the situation, then, then they are contributing to that. In fact, you have in, in Sex, Lies, and the Internet, you also have a chapter, Chapter 6, on how to leave an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And so you have um, a lot of steps there on what to pack, and steps to secure yourself. You know, they have around here in California, and I'm sure they do other places, if you're an abused uh, spouse or someone who's in an abusive relationship, you can go to some of these safe houses that are that are not, you know, you can go there and, and pe- people can't find you there. There's domestic uh, homes that will protect you, and I'm sure they have them everywhere in the country. So mm-hmm. do you suggest that people go to those places? Absolutely, and I have a list of things that I suggest in the book because women remain in abusive relationships because they don't know a way out, and my goal with this book was to show them a way out. A lot of people don't have family or family don't want to, don't want them to leave the relationship because of the children. Or and the so, finances. Or the finances, right, if they feel that they have no other place to go. We're speaking with Stephanie Alexander, who is the CEO of Woman Savers, that's W-O-M-A-N-S-A-V-E-R-S dot com, and she is also the author of the ebook Sex, Lies, and the Internet, an online dating survival guide, and that's available right at her website as well to download. And so let me, let me get back. You also have some interesting things on your website where you have some polls And I thought that was interesting. Let me look at the... Yeah, I polled over 300,000 women online, and I noticed that there was a lack of polls on... There are a lot of polls on relationships and sex, but there weren't a lot of polls on infidelity. So I decided to write my own, and the results have been very, very interesting. And what I found really interesting is that a lot of women consider emotional cheating just as bad as physical cheating. And so what do you mean by emotional cheating? I mean, for example, there could be a man and he gets online every night after he comes home from work and he is in a chat room with a woman and he has developed an emotional 
bond with a stranger who he's very close to, and he may or may not exchange sexual comments with her, and it takes away from his existing relationship with the woman he's with. Right, right. And you don't think of that as necessarily, you know, they may not know. You know, he may be doing that even at work or after work. And you so know, in she the may not days, know. Yeah. In the olden days, there there was Playboy, and a man would look at a Playboy, and that would be the end of that. Now, with the Internet, there are various sites where you can actually engage in communications. You can pay women on the Internet. And they also have virtual worlds, which is the craziest thing ever, where you can have a virtual wife with a virtual house and a virtual... <laughs> A virtual job, and you know, there was one husband who was on this thing for eight hours a day, and his wife said, "I don't even have a husband anymore. He has a virtual wife now. You know, she should leave him." Yes. But he thinks there's nothing wrong with it, and it's just a quote-unquote game. But anything that takes away from the relationship becomes problematic. That perhaps you know, it causes a woman's self-esteem to go down or, or, you know, he's not spending time with her, things like that. You know, in this day and age of this technology, which is really wonderful, um, it almost keeps us from communicating effectively. Because Absolutely. If, you know, I notice even when I do emails, I can see I'll do an email, I'll write an email, and someone will answer me, and they only answer me part of it because they read it so quickly they didn't even bother with the whole thing. No. And and I may do that, or I might misinterpret that email, in my view, should only be used for, you know, making dates and, and maybe giving a list of things that, that the other party can bring or something like that. But for true communication, you really still need to be either on the phone or in person. And I think when we're on the Internet like this all the time, I think it really takes away from our ability to communicate. I, I agree. Technology is overwhelming, and you can't get away from it. And I work for myself, so I have my iPhone, which is going off nonstop. I've got emails coming in, texting coming in. Then on my laptop, it's go- going in. It's coming in all directions, and I get bombarded with over 100 emails per day. And so it can get very, very overwhelming. Yeah, and if you spend your life looking at your emails, then you can't even do the other things that you need to do. To Yeah, to you just to... have to turn it off. That's what I do. Exactly. I set the time and I just turn it off. So here were some of the, you sent me some of these really interesting polls. Um, one of them was, do you run a background check or Google a person's name before dating? And you said that 51% of the people who answered said yes, and 48% said no. So uh, what what did that tell you? It tells me that people are wising, wisening up. Yeah, yeah. And again, I was looking at, um, at Choice Point yesterday, again, because they have these consumer searches that you can do. If you're going to hire a nanny or somebody you're going to go into business with or even hire a contractor, you might. it's pretty scary not to know who you're dealing with. And I think nowadays it's so easy to get a background check. You just have to make sure that the background check that you're getting really is the person who they say they um, that they are. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you'll get a background check and it will be an erroneous background check. That's the thing that scares me. Do you suggest that people, um, if there is a question, if they like someone, but there's a question that they show the person the background check, if there was something in there that they're worried about? I did. And was there something in there that you were worried about that this person could explain, or did it just crystallize for Oh, it was a simple you? explanation, and it turned out not to be a big deal at all. 
But yes, I, I had some questions about it when I did one. Yeah, I think it's really a good idea if you uh, if you do a background check on somebody and you want to be in that relationship and you're concerned that you show them the background check. Now, has there been any background a backlash for anybody if they, you know, said, "Wait a minute, why did you do a background check on me?" Well, they think I'm paranoid, <laughs> which which I wasn't in the beginning. Like you said, I was naive and very trusting in the beginning, but it took a couple of bad experiences and I didn't want to put my hand on the burner again and get get burned. Right. And so in order to do that, I had to be careful. And whether somebody thinks I'm trusting or not is irrelevant. It's important for me to do my research to know who I'm letting into my life. Right. And if people say to you, hey, don't you trust me? That in itself, I think, is a big red flag. <laughs> That's all the reason you better do a background check immediately when they say that. <laughs> exactly. You should trust me. I mean, as soon as I hear that, it's like, oh, no, this is like a used car sale. Yeah, I've, I've got some land to sell, yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. Now, another one you gave me was was um, should adultery be prosecuted in court? And that came out interesting. 54%, 54% said yes, and 45% said no. What do you think about that? Well, in Arizona, there was a case recently where two people actually did some jail time for adultery, and that law hadn't been resurrected for I don't know how many years, but it was two married couples, I think, and they found out that their partners were cheating, and they prosecuted. Wow. And they pulled out this law, and they won. <laughs> well, it's weird because I know that Arizona, like California, is a community property state. And and um, unlike New York, which is a fault state, if you get a divorce in the state of California, there is no fault. So if one party is having an affair and the other party isn't, you can't use that for any... Uh, greater marital uh, portion of the marital property, okay? Uh That doesn't help you with that, and it doesn't help you with spousal support or anything like that. However... But in New York, you can. In New York, yeah, in New York, there is fault. So if somebody is having an affair, the other party can use it to get more of the marital property. So it's interesting. And you said Arizona is like California. Arizona is a community property state where you divide everything equally, now, there is something interesting that you probably would like, though. We, we passed along California a few years ago that if you are an abuser, if you've been uh, involved in domestic uh, di- you know, disputes where you abused your spouse, that can, if you're a woman, that can preclude you from getting spousal support. And so if you are the one who has abused the, per- the other person, that may be you might have to pay more spousal support because of that. So mm-hmm. that part of it is more of a punitive measure. So if you're a woman, if you've abused your spouse and you've never worked, it could keep you from getting spousal support. So there is that punitive aspect. Interesting, mm-hmm. huh? Very interesting. So how do you think? Do you think it should be prosecuted, or do you think that there should be something that, you know, morally they do for you, or what do you think? You know, I, that's a tough question. Um, I think that if you're going to cheat, you shouldn't get married. But I know things aren't that black and white or that easy all the time. Sometimes relationships go bad, and there are outside circumstances that make it difficult to get out of the relationship or take a long time. The ultimate goal, I suppose, would be to get a divorce and get out as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, 
It's a tough one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, none of us like the idea of somebody cheating on us. I mean, it's a very hurtful thing. But, you know, I I mean, I don't know about jail time. I think that's pushing it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, our jails are so crowded already. I think we need to keep, keep the jails open for things like the pedophiles. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I've done divorce for so many years as a lawyer, and um, and I do divorce mediation, and I find there are many, many times that there's a new significant other. And it usually, you know, the, the reason someone strays usually isn't because so much of that, because of their spouse. It's because maybe they can't communicate with their spouse. It's more about them, that they are mm-hmm. not able to have a relationship. So they, they're looking for something and something new and the relationship isn't working. So, you know, I, I just think that uh, trying to prosecute something like this is, is really beyond what, what our court should be doing. But And I, I also think that some people don't have monogamy in their genes. It's just not there, or maybe they're not ready for it. And so men and women alike, alike should not get involved in a serious relationship. I mean, just tell people that you're dating, period. Right. Don't get serious. Right, right. Now uh, it says here, would you forgive your partner if he or sh- if he had a sexual affair? And you said twenty eight percent said yes, and seventy one percent said no. What did you think about that? I think there's different types of affairs. There's emotional affairs. There's one night stands, and then there's full blown emotional and physical affairs. I know a lot of couples who have made it through infidelity. I would have a much more difficult time forgiving somebody who had had a long-term affair that where there were emotions involved with that other person. In fact, I don't know if I could do it. Right. That, uh, it would just be too hurtful, and I would feel like there was an absolute lack of respect. A one-night stand it still would be very painful, but at least there would be some ray of light that there is a possibility through counseling or something else that that it would survive. Yeah, you know, I had a couple that were going through a divorce many years ago, and husband had a business failure, and he he had had a heart attack. They had been married about, oh, about 30 years, and wife was a professor, and she had an affair, and they were coming through divorce, and they went almost through the entire divorce, and then when I was going to file the papers with the court, the judgment, they decided, you know, through the mediation process, they were communicating, they were learning to forgive, and at the last minute, they actually took back the case and said, dismiss it, and they've been together for, I think, 15 years since. Isn't that amazing? It amazed me, because it took a lot to forgive that. I think that would be very tough. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. And then you have here, do you believe that viewing porno is emotionally cheating? And 50% said yes, and and I guess, well, it would have been 50% said no, huh, or... Yeah, that was divided right down the middle. Yeah. That, again, depends on your situation and what you're comfortable with. There are women who write into me all the time who are very, very hurt that their partner is online viewing porn all the time. Why? Because it takes time away from them. Why are the men choosing porn over spending time with a real woman? They're choosing fantasy over reality. So it got to the point where this woman felt so bad about herself because her husband was surfing porn sites with big-breasted women, and she had small breasts, and he was spending an unbelievable amount of time and money on these sites. 
and she got so tired of it, she just took the entire computer screen, placed it on his pillow, and said, you know, you can sleep with that from now on. <laughs> so and what I, happened? I don't know. I didn't hear from her again, so I don't know what happened. Well, may, maybe it worked. She didn't have to call you again. It you know, like... I, I think she probably got her point across, and he, you know, made a decision whether, you know, he wanted her or his his porn. And there are many couples who that doesn't affect them. Maybe they view the porn together or or the man does it only when he's traveling or they, they there are different creative means to deal with this problem. But if you're addicted to it, it will definitely have negative aspects on your relationship. You know, I think that is a really good word, addicted. We're finding, and I, I'm sure that you see it too, that kids are addicted to the Internet and you know, adults are addicted to the internet, and sometimes I'm addicted pro- to the internet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> completely. And, and you know, I mean, it keeps us from going out and exercising. Luckily, you know, I, I have a dog that says, "Okay, it's six o'clock in the morning. We need to go for our walk." I mean, he's the best personal trainer ever. But I mean, you know, I get addicted to it. Sometimes I, you know, on the weekend, I'll just lock the door. I won't go into, uh, you know, the room that has the computer. I'll stay away from the office. I won't take my computer out with me. It's just sometimes you just, I think there is some real danger in getting addicted to this, this machine that keeps us from relating. And I think that's what we're finding is people are not relating. And then it's so easy to, you know, to go on and and look at porn or have some kind of a virtual reality like what you were talking about. It's a way to just like not have to expend the energy to have a real relationship. But it's not very fulfilling in the long run. I mean, sure, you can chit chat in some chat rooms and you can develop these pseudo relationships with internet strangers or even people who you think are your friends, but it still is not the same as seeing your friends face-to-face and spending an evening with them. Right, but some people have a real fear of intimacy. So it, in a way, it's a it's an easy way out for them, too. For them, it's great. For somebody who's lonely or for somebody who doesn't have social skills, it's a blessing. Right, right. And we're speaking right now with Stephanie Alexander, who is the CEO of Woman Savers. That's W-O-M-A-N, savers.com. And she is also the author of a new book. It's an e-book that you can download. It's called Sex, Lies, and the Internet, A Survival Guide for Online Dating. And it's great. Okay. And, oh, yeah, Lloyd, uh, Lloyd's telling me we don't have a lot of time left, so I want to make sure I ask some of the questions here. Um, tell me, though, let's look at the positive side. Has the Internet dating made it easier to find Mr. or Mrs. Wright? Absolutely. When I started Internet dating, I was not meeting anybody. You can't, it's very difficult to meet people in clubs or even through friends at parties, maybe through your work. So the Internet can increase your chances of meeting Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, but it can also increase your chances of meeting Mr. Wrong or Mrs. Wrong. So that's why the screening techniques that I give in my book are so important to do. Right. And let me, let's me let go over some of the chapter, and I've got it for you because I know you don't have the book right in front of you, but I think some of these titles are really great, and I, you know, I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing, but I look through it. It's, it's fantastic. Thank you've, you. Yeah, you've got some great one. How to Catch a Cheater. I love that. <laughs> Hey. Yes, without don't don't pay that that costly detective. Uh, I can show you how to do it right. easily. Yeah, you've got uh, 
top 69 si signs that he's straying. I wonder if the same signs would work if, if women are straying. Do you think it would? Yeah, I think yeah. it goes both ways. Yeah, 10 reasons why men have affairs. Women have affairs, too. I've been, you know, I was reading Cosmo the other day, something about, you know, women have more affairs than even men sometimes. I think it's about even now. I think because women are in the workforce, it's it's about half and half now. But the reason I focus on women is because I am a woman, and I was abused, and I've always been drawn to that. Right. And so as I branch out, I actually have another website, and it's called Rate Before You Date. That's R A T E. The letter B, the number four, the letter U, and then date, right before you date dot com. And that allows men to post women, but that has not taken off in the same measure as woman savers because men, not only do they post different things, like for example, they post more about how easy it is to get the woman in bed right. versus a, abuse or infidelity. Right. Sometimes they post she's a gold digger. Uh, they move on faster. They don't go on and on and communicate like women do. Exactly, exactly. So then you have here nothing dangerous men and, you know, how to look for, for and de decipher what is the dangerous men, the mama's boy, the womanizer, the manipulator, the narcissist, the sociopath. That's the scariest, I think, is the sociopath is the one that is that so no charming. Feeling. Yes, mm -hmm. charming, no guilt, no conscious, just totally just, you know, enthralls you but then has no conscience whatsoever about these this. seem to be very prevalent in our society nowadays yes these sociopaths are everywhere yeah then you have an explanation about the abuser how to leave an abusive relationship getting over him self-esteem and enjoying life getting back out there and online dating all sorts of good stuff so it's uh it's I think that people need this they need to communicate they need to know so Lloyd says we have about two minutes left what what is the most important thing you would like to tell people who are listening? And of course, we're going to have them go to your website at womansaver, dot com, and and you know look at your book, Sex Lies and the Internet: A Survival Guide for Online Dating. But what else? What would you like to to leave our our audience with? Remember, we have an audience not only of working women and men, but also students here. What would you like to leave us with? I would like to say that. It's okay to be single. A lot of people think that they aren't complete unless they have a partner, and I don't think that's the case anymore. You can have an extremely fulfilling life by yourself and with a group of friends, and you don't have to be married, and you don't have to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend to be happy anymore. That's an old way of thinking. And if you don't find the perfect person on don't get depressed, um, give yourself a break, and sometimes it happens when you least expect it. Right, and I, I think one of the things that I remember learning after my divorce was, you know, the as you get healthier within yourself and get things that you love to do besides just being on the Internet, but whether it's walking or riding or skating or skiing or whatever it is, you know, as you get healthier and get involved in things, then you're going to probably attract more healthy people into your life as well. Exactly. So that's what we're going to thank you. So Lloyd says it's time to go. I want to thank you so much, Stephanie, and we will make sure that people visit that website and they can also uh, find your website right on our website at uh, KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Okay, you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari, your host, and Lloyd is my engineer. And we've been just speaking with the author of Sex, Lies, 
and the internet. So join us every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Thank you. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.